Welcome to Trib Talk. I'm Jennifer Napier Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. A year ago, state lawmakers funded a pilot program where nearly 300 Utah children with autism could receive a specialized treatment regimen called Applied Behavioral Analysis, or ABA. Parents and doctors have testified that ABA makes a tremendous difference in the progress of children with autism, which lawmakers are considering this session to extend. Legislators are also weighing whether or not to require insurers to pay for autism treatment. And today on Trip Talk, we're discussing discussing autism treatment, what works, who should pay for the program, and why. Joining me on the Google Hangout today is Representative Rhonda Menlove. She's a Republican of Garland. She represents District 1 in the House of Representatives, and she's sponsoring House Bill 88, which would make the pilot lottery program that's been happening over the past year permanent. She's joining us here in the newsroom. And Representative, great to have you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to be here to talk about legislation that's absolutely important for the state. Thank you. Also with us, John Owen. He is president of the Utah Autism Coalition, also in the newsroom with us. John, welcome. Thank you very much. Appreciate the chance. And Salt Lake Tribune health reporter Kirsten Stewart is with us. You may have seen her cover story in yesterday's newspaper titled James Journey, co-written with uh, Heather May. And uh, Kirsten, welcome back as always. Thank you, Jennifer. And you can join our conversation today if, if you have a child with autism. We'd love to hear your story. How are you paying for therapy or treatment for your child? And others in the general public, we invite you to join us as well. Should we taxpayers fund autism treatment? Should insurance companies be required to pay for autism treatment? You can send your thoughts to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can also put them in our comment section at sltrib.com and text us as well. The number is 801-609-8059. That's 801-609-8059. Uh, Kirsten, let's start with your story focusing on uh, James Turner. It's one boy's journey over several years. Um, remind us, what were this, the early signs that he had autism? Right. Well, um, so James was, um, you know, developed... I guess, according to his mother, Angie Watterson, um, on track until about 18 months of age, at which point um, he just stopped talking altogether. Um, and he was barely sleeping, you know, he started banging his head on the walls, um, he was uh, smearing his feces uh, on the walls as a result of his sort of sensory seeking disorder. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it took her a while to get him diagnosed, um, but he, she finally did get into uh, a therapist who diagnosed him with uh, autism, sensory processing, and attention hyperactivity disorders. Um, so a psychologist basically told her that, you know, he may never live independently, he may never attend mainstream school, uh, he may not uh, learn to talk again until the age, age seven or eight. And, um, you know, she was among, you know, uh, he was among about 300 kids who lucked into this lottery and um, so we decided, you know, we, we had several, we've had actually several families that we've um, followed over the course of the year. Um, James was the, one of the children that we probably followed the longest. And, um, you know, initially she had actually, prior to um, the lottery, she had been giving him some ABA therapy. And he was, um, she exhausted her resources though, basically, you know, tapped her savings to pay for it and ran out. So by the time that she got into the lottery, lottery was actually kind of perfect timing. There, were, I think, there was about a six-month gap, at which point he started to lose some skills. But um, 
you know, I think uh, all of the therapy that he had sort of helped move the needle, but um, Angie Watterson says that it was ABA that really made the difference for her and her son. And, um, you know, when we first, I, I co-reported this with Heather May, who um, saw James initially, in, you know, back in January of last year. And, um, you know, he, he couldn't sit still for longer than, you know, five seconds. He'd run across the room, touch the wall, and come over to his mom, tap her on the shoulder, ask her for a drink. You know, uh, and then while she's getting a drink, you know, run over to the floor, pick up a toy, throw it down on the floor. Um, he um, couldn't go to public places. He couldn't go to the grocery store without breaking down and becoming um, overwhelmed. Um, and then, you know, as we sort of followed him, you know, month after month, I, I want to say after, you know, three months, he had um, been working with a therapist and had gone from being able to sit, you know, at the table for 30 seconds and now was able to um, sit for, you know, three minutes. Um, and the way ABA works is that it, it works through reinforcing desired behaviors and skills are taught through repetition. So it can take, you know, 30 to 50 to 100 times of trying a skill to sort of master it. Um, before you're able to kind of like move on to the next skill. So sitting still was a big was a big deal for for mom. Mm. Um, you know, months later, then he was playing with friends. He was having sleepovers. He was able to sit, you know, for um, ten minutes still. He um, was looking at people and engaging with them, looking them in the eye, a hundred percent of the time. And you know, by um, this fall, he actually mainstreamed into kindergarten. And so we kind of were there to kind of witness that. And um, there were a couple of moments where. You know, he, he had trouble sitting still or was a little disruptive in class, but, you know, by and large, he was able to sit through it, engage with the teacher, listen to her instructions, answer questions. And it's a big deal for the family because she, um, mom is now able to return to work and, um, you know, she, she's able to spend more time with her other two children. Um, and it was, this was one anecdotal story, but, you know, the data that the health department um, tracked all of the children in the pilot and the data show that, you know, similar gains were actually made for, you know, all of the pilot recipients or, or the majority of the pilot recipients. Now, I want to, before we go further, can we go back to a word that you used? You used the word lucked, lucked into the lottery system. Can you describe how this lottery is designed right now, the pilot program that, um, uh, uh, you know, a couple hundred kids get to, to be part of? This pilot program, right? So Utah is one of what is it, um, 16 states, right, that don't mandate that private insurers cover um, this autism treatment. So um, the law lawmakers were sort of, you know, questioning whether or not this ABA therapy works, and so they created this uh, lottery, basically a pilot project to to test it out. And um, the way the lottery worked was, it was there were a number of slots that were, and it was administered through the Medicaid program, but it didn't just go to you know low-income children; anyone was eligible. Um, to apply, and but there were a certain number of slots, and they broke those out geographical, geographically or disproportionately, or proportionally, so that you know X percent went to Salt Lake City and X percent went to Utah County, and um, kids applied, and either through you know were their names were drawn or they weren't. Hmm. Hmm. Representative Menlove, your bill, uh, House Bill 88, would essentially turn this pilot program into a, a permanent state program. What is it that persuaded you that uh, the pilot was successful enough that it warrants uh, a permanent sort of uh, place in state government? You know, there are data uh, that tell us that the, the program has been successful. We have standardized test information uh, from the children who participated in the pilot. Those data indicate that the treatment worked, that their behaviors improved, and that overall uh, this pilot was a success. 
not only that, I've uh, talked with multiple families about their experiences with the pilot and the services that they received. To a person, each one of those uh, families has experienced tremendous growth in the skills of their children. I also myself am in, I, I use a form of uh, applied behavior analysis in helping teachers in the classroom, training them to uh, work with children with challenging behaviors to use the principles of ABA and using positive reinforcement for desired behaviors. So I myself have uh, used uh, those techniques and some of those strategies. Even though I am not a certified uh, behavior analyst, I do have some skills in that arena in terms of teaching teachers. And the kinds of reports that uh, the parents were bringing to me were confirmed by my experiences uh, in the classroom working with teachers using those techniques with children. So as we looked at the outcome of the pilot, we talked to parents, we decided that this program merited uh, further implementation and we wanted to keep the program going in the insurance company that the state controls which is PEHP. So the pilot uh, continues the program in PEHP it continues the Medicaid uh, program as well. Um, tax dollars are our only limitation. The program is scalable. If we had additional tax dollars, we could serve additional children. So uh, that's a question uh, for budgeting uh, people as well as lawmakers, agency people. Uh, that, that question about how many tax dollars can we dedicate to this program. And as you all know, we have uh, a challenge in the state of not having an adequate funding for uh, programs and we're a very conservative state. We don't go into debt, we balance our budget. So this is an important policy question. We decided continuing the program at the level we have it. We could do that successfully. Um, if we had additional funding we could scale it, but at this point we've decided to continue the program at the level we have it. It serves about 10% of the children who could be served in the ages uh, between the ages of two and uh, the seventh birthday. So if we had additional funding, we could add additional children. So as uh, additional dollars are, are available in the state budget, this would be a great discussion. Hmm. The autism treatment account can continue uh, if additional funding is there as well. Thank you. Uh, John, uh, from the Utah Autism Coalition's point of view, I mean, it's been a success. Last time we talked last summer, there were some wrinkles that um, uh, people in the program, the pilot program, said there was a lot of red tape, a lot of paperwork. They had trouble finding qualified um, therapists. I'm just wondering if, if you feel like those wrinkles have been ironed out. And it is uh, a, a permanent place, a permanent program would benefit children with autism here in the state. Well, I think I can't really speak to any problems with it. I'm sure anytime you start up a big, a big program like this, there are going to be some some problems. But that's you know you keep going and, and keep refining the process. Um, from our standpoint, we think that you know what we can we, what we can do with um, an insurance mandate. We would affect maybe 30 percent of uh, the in, the insured population of, of Utah, and it works well with uh, Representative Menlove's bill. Um, her bill can cover, like she said, 10% of the people. And if you've got insurance, then this is really a situation that insurance is for. So why should we, uh, those of us who have insurance, be competing with those 10% uh, people who, you know, why should they have to compete with us? We have, we have insurance. So go ahead. 
I, I just want to back up just a little bit and remind people who we're talking with. This is John Owen. He is with the Utah Autism Coalition, also with us, Representative Rhonda Menlove. And uh, she is sponsoring one bill that would make a, a pilot program for autism treatment permanent. We've also um, got with us now Kelly Atkinson. He's executive director of the Utah Insurance Association joining us. Kelly, great to have you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for the invitation. And John was just referring to a bill uh, sponsored by Senator Brian Chiawazawa, which would uh, require insurance companies to pay for autism treatment. Uh, before we get into uh, what your thoughts are on that bill, Kelly, I, I invite people to, to join our conversation. Put your thoughts to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can put them in the comments section at sltrib.com, or you can text us, and the number is 801 609 8059. Kelly, um, uh, Utah is one of 16 states that does not require insurance companies to cover autism treatment. Um, and again, this separate bill, um, Senate Bill 57, would change that, would require insurers to, to cover autism treatment. Where do the insurance companies stand on SB 57? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that autism in Utah is of epidemic proportion. We recognize that as far as insurance companies. Lots of families are suffering and that's why people like uh, Representative Menlove and Senator Shiazawa have put forth legislation to attempt to ease the burden of these families that are really dealing with some horrendous challenges in their families. We're sensitive to that uh, as far as the industry is concerned. Our problem is that Utah is fairly unique. Unique in a lot of different aspects and one of the ways that we're unique is we probably have more uh, employers that choose to self-insure than almost any state in the nation. About 75% uh, of our insurers, uh, our, our, of our employers are self-insured, which means that they're outside of any state mandates. That means about 25% of employers are what we call fully insured meaning that the state legislature has regulation over them. Those 25% of the employers are small employers primarily, which means that they're struggling right now in order to even provide insurance for their employees. To ask that 25% of those employers to bear an unfunded mandate, such as the coverage of autism, while allowing 75% to choose whether or not they cover it is where uh, the insurance industry is our concerns. Why the Utah State Legislature can mandate coverage for the fully insured marketplace. What they cannot do is mandate whether a small employer carries insurance or not. Mm. Our fear is that some of those small employers will choose or opt out of even covering insurance, sending their employees to the individual marketplace under ACA. Now, having said that, that's why we favor the approach of Representative Menlove over Senator Shiazawa. Hmm. Do, uh, Kelly, do you have a sense of how much autism ABA treatment uh, would cost insurers? Well, we're hearing right now, and, and these numbers have been affected by what's happened in other states. Originally, when this came out a few years ago, we were hearing 3% increase in premiums. Now we're hearing more like a percent increase 
maybe even as, as little as a half a percent increase in insurance. And so uh, to further study this and have a broader base as Representative Menlove is uh, advocating, we think has merits to it. Again, we would favor individual choice in the marketplace and we've already seen impact by Representative Menlove's legislation uh, other employers choosing, such as Salt Lake County this last year, saying we are now, because of what the state's done, we are now going to cover autism. We think that that, uh, that type of leadership will, uh, small employers will respond to eventually when uh, their concerns for costs are mitigated by the facts that are brought about through a thorough study. How does all of this fit into the Affordable Care Act? <laughs> well, the Affordable Care Act will allow um, those small, those individuals with children with autism to be able to go apply for an individual policy, enroll their child as an individual, which is a, about $150 to $200 premium a month and then they will, the state will be responsible to cover the difference between the normal cost of the premium and the added cost as a result of autism. So what it, what it creates is a movement where families will make a, just a consideration. If uh, Senator Shiazawa's bill were to pass, he's recommending, I think, uh, below age seven, uh, $36,000 I think it is and above that age $18,000. What it will mean for those parents with children with autism is they can actually go to the individual marketplace and enroll their children should that legislation pass enroll their children as an individual and just make a simple uh, calculation whether or not paying the premium would be more expensive than paying the cost of the ABA therapy as recommended under Senator Shiazawa's legislation. John Owen, based on what you've heard, your response? Sure. Um, well, first off, um, I got a call the other day from somebody who was talking about the ACA and um, they said, are you happy with your health insurance? And I said, no, I'm not. And they said, you know, why? I told them and, uh, because I have a child with autism and they said uh, well that with, under the ACA that'll be covered and I said no it won't and they said yes it will and I said no it's um, it's up to the states to decide what's in the essential benefits package and um, if we passed a mandate a couple of years ago uh, autism would be covered under our essential benefits package um, so they you know, said well we're gonna check and call you back so they, they call me back a, a few minutes later and said we're really sorry you were right and they actually offered to join the Utah Autism Coalition. Um, <clears throat> so the way things are right now with the, um, with the ACA, we actually have to include that as part of our fiscal note to, to cover that part of the, the small business market. Um, so we could, other places, some other places have written their bill so that they trim out that part of the market. And we could do that if we want to avoid the fiscal note. Mm. Um, also, I wanted to say that uh, I kind of jumped ahead to SB 57, and I apologize for that. Uh, but the, the point I was wanting to make was that because it's not covered by insurance, there aren't a lot of providers. And that's part of the problem I think they had when, with the pilot program is that, you know, who would want to specialize in treating autism when it's not covered by insurance? So it, you can't find clients. 
Um, in other states where they passed, in some of the 34 other states where they passed this, um, it's created a huge number of jobs for, for behavioral therapists and, and other people who help the autistic community. Um, so. Representative Benlove, I mean, obviously money is at the, the bottom of this discussion. I mean, is that why you thought maybe um, a state-funded program was the, a better way to go than requiring private insurers to, to cover autism uh, across the board? You know, I, I think the state has uh, some obligation to work with people in this arena, and I felt like this would be an efficient way for us to first in the pilot study to make sure we were doing uh, something that was effective, but now that we know that, moving on to offer that program. And, you know, if there were some kind of insurance uh, mandate at some point, then uh, the Medicaid program could be focused uh, uh, more clearly on the Medicaid population. So I don't see those as mutually exclusive, but you may know the Utah legislature is uh, has concerns about mandates on free market and so many of my colleagues in the House are concerned about any legislation that might uh, mandate to a free enterprise uh, insurance market that they should cover uh, something uh, specifically thing like autism. However, the Senate, you know, has passed the bill out of committee and off the floor. So now that presents a situation in the House where we'll have that policy debate. Speaking again with uh, Representative Rhonda Menlove, also John Owen with Utah Autism Coalition, and Kelly Atkinson with the Utah Insurance Association. And we're talking about autism treatment, a couple of bills working their way through the state legislature, one which would mandate that private insurers cover autism treatment. The other, sponsored by Representative Menlove, would uh, solidify a pilot program that's offering uh, autism treatment to a limited number of Utah children with autism. And again, send your thoughts to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. Put them in the comments section of our page at sltrib.com, or you can send a tweet to, uh, uh, excuse me, a text to the number 801-609-8059. Um, a, a couple comments coming in. Gina Baker on Twitter, autism wa waiver is great, Question, will insurance companies have a better understanding that covering ST and OT is part of the package? You're going to have to translate this for me. Um, John Owen, maybe, what, what is ST and what is OT? Speech um, therapy and occupational right. therapy. Okay, okay. Uh, and what is the autism waiver that uh, Gene is talking about? The Medicaid waiver. Oh, the Medicaid waiver, mm -hmm. okay. Um, uh, your thoughts on uh, what Gina has to say? Well, that's that's one of the things about SB 57 is it's covering other things than uh, ABA therapy. And it, uh, Representative Minlove's bill is covering a very important part, uh, but it's it's just the, um, from what I understand, it's just ABA therapy. Um, now, jo I, John, if I could, uh, if you don't mind, if I interrupt, it does cover speech uh, therapy and occupational Good. therapy. Excellent. Okay. Um, so, but it does have a kind of a limited age range. It's two to seven, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, autism doesn't doesn't end. You can't cure it with ABA therapy. But these kids will have, you know, they may need, may need treatment for anxiety and other issues that come along with it. Uh, they really should be under the care of a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a developmental pediatrician, um, just like you would you would go to a doctor. And um, they're going to have issues for a really long time. But um, they shouldn't have to hide from a diagnosis. Um, and that's kind of the situation where it is right now. If you uh, if you get the diagnosis, then 
you might be able to get, if you don't have an autism diagnosis, you may be able to get speech therapy covered under your regular insurance. I know that was the situation for us is um, we couldn't get, oh, we couldn't get anything for our, our kid uh, as far as that goes. But um, anyway, it, it's important to get those other things, and SB 57 covers those. I also want to say one thing about the, uh, the cost of the bill and um, where we get our numbers from in terms of uh, how much it's going to cost. I think it was 0.2% increase. That came directly from the Missouri Department of Insurance's report that came out on February 7th, I think. You can go to their website and download it yourself and look at the numbers. Um, we say that it costs 31 cents per member per month on average, and those numbers come from uh, actual figures for, I think it's second year figures for states that have uh, already implemented something like this. Uh, I think eight states have reported, and if you take the actual claims that were filed for things having to do with autism, uh, it, that gives you a certain amount of, of money, the claims data, and then you divide by the number of lives covered, and that gives you a, a very plain and simple figure. And for the eight states that have reported that, it averages out to 31 cents per member per month. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I, I assume we can get more detailed information on your website as well. Um, here's another tweet uh, coming in from Dijo. says, Autism is an epidemic and society will end up paying for it if we cannot prevent it. I support this bill. Um, Kelly Atkinson, I mean, you, you started out saying, you admit it's an epidemic. I mean, one in 47 kids Utah children have autism. That's that's the number that I've seen. Um, I mean, at what point do insurers say? I understand that the the questions with the mandate, but at what point do insurers say this is widespread enough? Enough people need this coverage. We can spread it out over enough people. Why not do it? That's the problem. We can't spread it over enough people because the legislation only impacts small employers. If it's a societal problem, and we agree that it is a societal problem, it shouldn't be funded on the backs of small employers. And families with autism shouldn't be forced to work for small employers in order to get coverage. What we're saying is it needs a universal approach, not a Band-Aid approach. And that's what Senate bill, uh, Senator Shiazawa's bill does. It, it's a band-aid approach, Senate Bill 56. It says to small employers, you're going to pay for the cost of this coverage, regardless of what the cost is. And it says to large employers, you can choose whether or not to cover it. And what we're saying is, if it's as big a problem as it is, and it is a big problem, then it needs a universal approach. And all taxpayers should have skin in the game, just not small employers asked to be paying a disproportionate share of the cost of treatment. I mean, is that something that all of you can agree on? <laughs> Do you all think that all taxpayers should be stepping up and helping to pay for autism treatment? Um, uh, Representative Menlo? I think uh, we have an obligation to pay a portion of it, but not all of the cost. I think the best combination would be uh, uh, an individual taking some responsibility, the, the state government taking some responsibility, and then, you know, at some point, uh, you know, the business market that uh, insures uh, people would need to be a, a part of this discussion. And one thing that concerns me is that we haven't seen the national level support for this kind of uh, 
coverage and insurance. So I think our federal government has some role in uh, addressing this as well. So this is a very complex issue of multiple partners. But I think the best approach is a combination of uh, collaborative uh, work in addressing autism, state, individuals, insurance, and our federal uh, level insurance. John, I mean, does that settle well with you? This is personal for you. <laughs> it is very personal. Um, well, I think the bottom line of it is that this is a medical problem. And in our society, the way we handle medical problems is with health insurance. You can go to the Department of Insurance's website and, and look at what their purpose is. It's to prevent catastrophic financial issues when you have health problems and you know to deal with chronic health conditions. And that's what this is. And what's happening right now is people are going broke. People are selling their houses. They're, you know, we, we didn't have quite that situation. We just gave up the equity in our house for a year of treatment. And that's wrong. Um, so and that's, it's, it's what health insurance is for, you know. Um, and I, I do agree that I think federally regulated uh, programs, health insurance, should cover this too. So we should work on that legislation as well. But the state should regulate what they can regulate. It's worth doing. Hmm. Uh, one last tweet from Gina Baker. I thought the bill included an exclusion for some small employers. Please clarify. And uh, Kelly, would you mind? Well, the bill does say that after the first year, that if the costs have been too expensive, a small employer can choose to opt out of the program through um, approval by the state insurance commissioner. The, the, the challenge we have there is that that might be too late for small businesses. If the costs are too expensive, that small business may go out of business and no longer be able to provide uh, employment for their employees and also uh, insurance for their employees. And so th that's a challenge we have in the legislation. We think it comes too late uh, in the process. That assessment ought to be made early on after um, the small employer knows what the costs are going to be. So, if I may. Yes, please. My predecessor in this position, Morela Peterson, uh, actually wrote her PhD thesis about the issue of the effect on small business of an insurance mandate. Um, and she, she showed that nobody's going out of business over this. It's Seriously, it's 31 cents per member per month. If your business is going to go under for that, then you might want to rethink your business model. Hmm. Uh, our, our time is up, but I, I just want to get a status update. Both of these bills working their way through the legislature. Uh, Representative Menlove, give us uh, the latest. Where is House Bill 88? House Bill 88 has passed the House and the Senate. It uh, passed with overwhelming majorities. So right now it's just uh, waiting for funding. So the Executive Appropriations Committee, it's been uh, prioritized by the Social Services Committee to be funded, uh, so there's no question there, but there isn't enough funding in that budget to pay the cost, and so we're waiting for executive appropriations to make this a priority and uh, fund it with ongoing funding. So right now, we're working very hard uh, with members of executive appropriations to uh, let them know about the importance of the program and request their help. And how much money are we talking about? Just a little over $2 million, $2 million and uh, $50,000. Okay, and the Senate Bill uh, 57, I believe, uh, Senator Shiazawa's bill, the insurance mandate bill. John Owen, where is it? Uh, we passed the Senate last Friday, and it's in the House now and is in the Rules Committee.
So we're waiting to see where it goes from there. Okay, well these are two bills that obviously we will continue to follow here at the Salt Lake Tribune. Representative Rhonda Menlove, John Owen, and Kelly Atkinson, thank you all very much for the time today. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you. Can, you. You can find a lot more about autism in Utah as well as full coverage of the 2014 legislative session at sltrib.com. I'm Jennifer Napier-Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Thanks for tuning in to Trib Talk today. We'll see you next time.